0: Welcome to Health Systems CIO's Partner Perspective Interview Series. I'm Anthony Guerra, Editor-in-Chief. There is no doubt that security is top of mind with just about every healthcare IT executive. But according to Ryan Witt, Managing Director of Healthcare with Proofpoint, many of those executives are making their security investments in the wrong places. That's because while focusing on the network is still the defensive choice, cybercriminals have changed tactics and are now actively leveraging social media and other public information to profile and target select individuals at health systems. The good news is that their favorite targets have been identified by the good guys and can thus be better protected. In this interview, Wit discusses the new reality of healthcare IT security and how professionals can best respond. Hi, Ryan. Thanks for joining me today. I'm looking forward to chatting with you about the state of security in the healthcare industry.
1: Thank you for making time, Anthony. looking forward to it.
0: Why don't you start off by telling me about your organization and your role? Sure. Uh, I work for Proofpoint.
1: Uh, Proofpoint was founded 17 years ago, and we really do have our heritage or our DNA in email uh, protection, email security. Uh, We've evolved quite significantly since then. And uh, we are now our leading cybersecurity player in all aspects of protecting uh, what healthcare's most vulnerable attack vector, which is their people. Um, so we have a comprehensive range of solutions around uh, focusing on stopping targeted attacks, safeguarding data, training people to uh, mitigate against those attacks, et cetera. And then my role within the organization is I'm the managing director of the healthcare industry practice. So my, I have a tunnel vision on healthcare. My my job is to make sure that we're doing the right activities uh, and the right initiatives to make sure that we're doing, uh, focusing adequately on healthcare as an industry segment.
0: Based on the way the company is set up, you're head of healthcare, and Proofpoint covers under other industries as well. So I would imagine you get together with your other managing directors in the company and talk about what everybody is seeing in different industries. That probably gives you some unique insights
1: so we are able to have pretty good lens and insight into what are the key attack vectors not only um with across the company but within um within various industry segments, and also within healthcare, I mean, one of the investments we've made is we can be very granular in terms of our understanding of where where the attacks are happening in healthcare and how they differentiate. So, for example, you know, we can go look at small, medium, or large health systems, you know, based on bed count. We can look at, pediatric care institutions we can look at uh, ambulatory clinics we can look at teaching hospitals and we get even that level of of insight in terms of what what's happening in the landscape
0: so you might notice that attacks are differing based on the size or type of the institution
1: i mean, I mean yes and no i mean the, the, yes that covers all the bases right um at, at the broad scale yes there's a, the the similar types of attacks are happening um for all industries and all industry segments and all industry segments there within. More granularly though, absolutely, depending on the nature of someone's work or the profile of their institution or the the part of healthcare they are focusing on, that does raise their overall profile with cyber criminals and does mean that they have, are more predisposed to be being attacked in certain instances. So we, we can capture that from an intel and research standpoint.
0: You mentioned that cyber criminals are now targeting specific individuals they've profiled. Can you talk about how and why someone becomes a target?
1: It's a, you know, I think it's an interesting dichotomy in terms of how the cybersecurity marketplace is working today. So, If you look at where the investment is is occurring, you still see a lot of investment in protecting protecting the infrastructure, the architecture, the network. But if you actually, and that's kind of like what we call where the defenders are are placing their bets. But if you look at where the attackers are attacking, they're very much attacking people, and they're largely attacking people uh, based on either their profile um, within their organization, their access to important data, or Based on how they work, they might, you know, they might work in a, in a vulnerable way, so to speak. So that's where the attacks are coming in. They're largely coming in by email, and and, and cyber criminals have worked out that actually trying to understand who within a, in a health institution is a worthy attack um, uh, re- recipient for their malware, for their ransomware, for their phishing attacks. And, and, and social engineering their activity to go put together a very compelling email to try to dupe somebody into taking an action, not maliciously, but you know just taking an action that is mm-hmm. really um, beneficial for the cyber criminal. So that, you'll see those attacks very much now oriented on people and not on infrastructure.
0: It's interesting. It sounds like they've almost made a science out of this, right?
1: I think it's a great way of looking at it. I mean, the science yesteryear was around network architecture and understanding network security, understanding where a network was vulnerable, understanding where patches were not likely to be deployed, understanding where a zero-day attack might be impactful. It's completely reversed now. The science is on social engineering. It's understanding who within a, a health system's hierarchy is vulnerable to attack. Who has a high-profile um, focus or, or job job function that puts them in the public eye? Who works in a vulnerable way? Maybe they're working with your business associates, and they're by the nature of their job, they have to go download, you know, files or download, um, um, uh, you know, inter- interact with cloud apps. Maybe they're a pharmacist within their within their health institution, and they're dealing with. Um, Uh, opioids or OxyContin or other other uh, pharmaceuticals that have legitimate street value that can be monetized maybe they're in a nursing function where they are touching the EMR in a more regular basis and often in a frenetic way so they're Mm -hmm. vulnerable Mm -hmm. in how they work so the science now is figuring that out not figuring out the networking and using the the tools that are you know most obvious, the, the Google's, the LinkedIn, the Facebook, to build a profile of those individuals and trying to understand their work patterns, how they you know how they operate, who they're likely to report to, what their function is within the health system, and putting together impactful emails that um, compel them or make them want to take an action. You know, in the cyber criminal's best interest,
0: is it possible to tell if an email is coming from someone other than who it appears to be coming from, or can it be masked so the recipient is totally fooled?
1: So uh, that's a great question. So let me answer it in two parts. Um, the first part is we should not, and your your readers should not underestimate the sophistication of the level of email that come in these days. It is very hard to determine. What is a what we would call um, an imposter email or a business email compromise sort of attack where somebody is purporting to be or impersonating somebody in, within your a trusted person within your institution, asking you to take an action? It is very hard to determine when that's happening because the level of sophistication is so high and the level of research is so is um, so profound. But that's part one so yeah, it's really hard to to determine those those factors. part two is there are capabilities so there are technologies there are controls that could in place could be put in place to help people to help institutions to help security teams um, mitigate against those sort of attacks so there are um, you know training capabilities in in, ter- in terms of how do you educate your users or there are uh, capabilities like around DMARC, which is a, a protocol within um, email security about how you can you can determine when this email, which looks wholly legitimate on on the surface, actually is not coming from the source that it says it's coming from.
0: Could you ever see a scenario in which uh, email becomes almost unusable because we can't trust what we're seeing?
1: No, I think actually quite the opposite. Um, so there are this is one of the benefits right there are multiple tools technologies capabilities uh training um material in place to go a protect users and protect people in terms of how they should be working with email and then also protect the institution so Email remains to be, you know, one of the most important collaboration tools. And certainly within healthcare, we see collaboration becoming more profound part of the uh, care continuum, where you're you're bringing in expertise from various parts of the the world, in some cases, to go help with uh, a patient care scenario. And email or other messaging tools are going to be a very predominant way that people are going to communicate with each other. The key is not to use email, the key is to make sure you're using email in a safe way and to put the controls in place to make sure you're not going to fall foul of these attacks or to, you know, significantly reduce your risk.
0: You had mentioned earlier that healthcare security spending is not lining up with the current attack threats. Can you tell me more about that?
1: Sure. If you just look at um you know, the, the prevalent analysts who, who measure these, um, this sort of um, aspect of the marketplace, um, they will say to you that, a, you know, a very large percentage of network or a security expenditure, like, 90, you know, over 90%, still goes on the network, it goes on the web, um, web applications, it goes on endpoint, and, you know, around 7% or so actually is going on email, Yet, if you actually look at where the initial point of compromise within a health institution occurs, it's almost always two things. One is a phishing attack or, or similar-related malware attack on email. Or secondly, somebody within that health institution is doing something, often on email, that they shouldn't be doing. Not Not in a malicious way, but they're just being they're being duped, they're being tricked, they're being um, compelled to take an action that's not in their best interest. So, yeah, there's a complete dichotomy here in terms of where is the expenditure versus versus where is the where is the attack happening.
0: What's your uh, best advice for CIOs and CISOs about some of the things they can do based on the situation you've been describing?
1: I, mean, I think it's, it behooves a, a CIO or a CISO to understand – how they're being attacked, so I think that the data, the data very much shows that they're being attacked largely as their people are being attacked and they're being attacked on email so that would okay. be you know the headline information in terms of the the first guidepost, if you will. Secondly, I would try to understand who within my organization is being attacked and why are they being attacked so we've released some research recently, and I kind of alluded to this a little bit earlier, where you know we we have found that. You know clinical researchers, if that's a component of your health institution, they are heavily targeted. Why? Because they have access to IP, they have access to to um, information data and research that's that's very valuable in the marketplace. Secondly, the pharmacy community, the pharmacist, that whole function, they have access to monetizable pharmaceuticals that can be you know that has a strong ROI and a quick ROI in the marketplace their nursing function. Um, They have access, regular access, to the EMR. So we we know that that area is being being targeted heavily. Um, If you have a foundation within your hospital, within your health institution, if you are raising funds in a charitable way to support your health institution, we see evidence of those people being attacked. So it's not the what you would necessarily expect it to be. It's like, oh, it's the CEO or the CFO being attacked. Sure, the high-profile nature of their positions mean, means that they're in the crosshairs of cyber criminals, but cyber criminals become far more sophisticated, and they're actually looking at who within the organization has access to information, who has access to data, who can unlock credentials, etc. And just you know, imagine the scenario. We're kind of in the in the holiday seasons. Imagine the scenario right now where you have a foundation actively trying to raise charitable donations as part of a you know as part of a holiday holiday gift or whatever. Somebody feels compelled to go do that because they want to support the cause and when they learn, as we've seen this, they learned in, in hindsight that actually that money is being funneled into um, a you know a cyber criminals account because we've been it's been a whole imposter campaign trying to impersonate that foundation. That's you know that's that's hugely dramatic not only for the hospital and the foundation but those people who are who are um, are choosing to to donate in that way.
0: So should IT executives focus on education tools or a combination of both?
1: Yeah, and I think then then we have to look at what are the right to put in place. So what is the solution for, you know, if you're able to determine, you know, I don't know, let's say 10% of your, of your workforce, of your of your clinical teams are your most targeted, then what do you do, right? So there's a lot of controls you can put in place. I would definitely start with training. I mean, training is a way that you can, it's your best form of defense, because they're going to be on your, those people are on your front line, so to speak. But there are also um, technologies and capabilities I think about as well. So I mentioned, um, this protocol called DMARC, which is how you're able to determine whether a somebody is impersonating you on email or impersonating your domains, so that sort of capability, that, that should be looked at. Um, if you're moving a lot of data with around in your job function, because that's just part of your job, there's things like encryption and DLP that can be put in place. And so there are, and there's advanced email protection capability as well, in terms of just you can isolate someone's email traffic so you can make sure that they're operating in a in a safe way, so to speak, as providing no sort of harm until you're able to validate that um, that email or that website or that email traffic um, passes the the protocols or the tests you put in place. So I guess the the kind of the learning point here is take the time to understand that your people are being attacked, understand who is who is being attacked within your institution, and then if you had that knowledge what controls would you put in place? And I think there are there are multiple controls that I've alluded to.
0: Maintaining usability has always uh, been an issue when it comes to implementing security measures. Are clinicians more accepting of their impact now that they see how much damage outages can do to patient care?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question and something I'm actually really encouraged by because there was some very recent data that came out that said um, this is from the American Medical Association that said doctors and physicians, if you look at the things that trouble them or that, or that concern them with regards to um, cyber criminal activity, they are concerned about their ability to provide patient care. They're they're concerned about how a cyber attack will impact their ability to access the patient record, provide a meaningful diagnosis and remedy or you know for a course of treatment, and that is. I think when physicians understand that, and when physicians understand that cyber criminal activity actually adversely impacts their ability to adhere to the Hippocratic Oath, this whole idea that I'm going to do no harm to my patients, like they understand how critical this is to allow them or enable them to go do their job in the way that they expect to do their job. So, yes, there might have been some, some resistance um, historically around any sort of controls in place that impacts clinical workflow. But I think we've seen a complete change in that thought process. And I think the clinical community now want to embrace better controls because they know it's actually helps them provide better overall patient care.
0: Do you ever have conversations with health systems about the profiles of their employees and how they should or shouldn't use social media so they don't become targets? We, we, we do our
1: best to educate
0: the healthcare
1: industry about the vulnerability of the attack vector and the fact that people are being attacked and they're being attacked in multiple different ways. And yes, one of those ways they're being attacked are on social media channels. So, I mean, there's a lot of really, really good reasons for health institutions to be active on social media. That's where their patients are. That's how their patients want to consume information. So, I understand wholeheartedly why, they, why they're why they using those channels, The really I think the, the learning point here is to make sure you have the safeguards in place so you don't expose your institution unduly in those channels. So yeah, we, we try to educate for sure the vulnerability and the fact that people are being attacked, but we also try to educate in terms of what are some of the controls they can put in place.
0: We hear over and over that healthcare is behind when it comes to the use of technology. I assume that applies to security as well. Are those observations or comparisons ever helpful?
1: Yeah, you know, I have these discussions all the time in terms of you know how does healthcare as an industry compare to um, financial services, or you know, pick any other industry segment. And it, it, it always helps to a degree, right? Always understanding how others are approaching the problems is certainly a learning point there. But I think it's more probably more relevant to understand. Uh, what's happening within healthcare. And so certainly the discussions we have or I have more regularly is, explain to me what my peers are doing. Explain to me what a, you know, what are birds of a feather, what a like-for-like sort of comparison is happening within my industry, which is why now we offer, from a proof point standpoint, we offer this kind of very granular threat intel. So if you are a children's hospital, we can give, you know, insight into what is the threat activity Within the children, that pediatric care sort of segment. So it's you understand how your peers are being impacted and what what's their threat level of activity. So we find that level of granularity is probably more relevant for healthcare is is understanding that that level of insight.
0: Also, we're seeing a lot of ransomware in healthcare. Is this industry uniquely vulnerable to that type of thing?
1: No, I don't. I think mean, ransomware is just a it, it, I think ransomware plays to what is the current mindset of, of cyber criminals generally right so ransomware is a is a, it's a monetizable activity and that you know we, we should not underestimate their focus is how on the cyber criminal activity these days is is that how can I monetize that my activity? And so ransomware is a is a monetizable activity. It's impacting every industry segment institutions large and small um, we don't see, you know, ransomware will uh, dissipate at times, but it, it never really goes away. Um, and so, yes, healthcare is vulnerable, but it's not unduly vulnerable because every industry segment is vulnerable to to ransomware type attacks.
0: Very good, Ryan. Those were my main questions today. Is is there anything else you want to add? Any final words of advice for our li- listeners today about dealing with the new reality we described?
1: I, I think just summing up, I, I, I would like to just. You know reiterate or stress the point that it the data is very clear in this regard that that people within health institutions are under attack and they're under attack uh through email and similar messaging sort of channels and so i i I would really just guide if you could understand that sort of top level point and then more importantly, understand who within your health institution is being attacked, what would you do differently? You know, how would you change your controls to go make sure that you are protecting the most vulnerable parts of your health system?
0: All right, Ryan, that's that's great. I really appreciate your time today. I think this is going to be very valuable for our listeners and readers. So thank you.
1: Yeah, I enjoyed it. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you for listening to this Partner Perspective interview from Health System CIO. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our iTunes feed at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcasts.